Welcome to Pure Nonfiction, the podcast interviewing documentary filmmakers. I'm Tom Powers, the documentary programmer for the Toronto International Film Festival and artistic director of Doc NYC. On this episode, I interview Syrian filmmaker Talal Durki. He first came to international attention with his film Return to Homs that won the Grand Jury Prize for World Documentary at the Sundance Film Festival in 2014. That film was set in the Syrian city of Homs that was a center of resistance to Bashar al-Assad's regime. Talal followed two friends who start as peaceful protesters, but over two years become armed militants. Hollywood reporters critic Neil Young wrote that Return to Homs, quote, should endure as a viscerally direct, consistently informative account of how participants experience the hazards, tedium, and lethal thrills of urban combat, and as a portrait of young men radicalized and energized by their circumstances, end quote. After completing Return to Homs, Talal and his wife became exiles in Berlin. But he made the risky choice of returning to Syria to make his new film of Fathers and Sons that's now Oscar-nominated for Best Documentary Feature. Talal wanted to understand the rise of Islamic jihadism inside Syria. He gained access to a man named Abu Osama, a leader of an al-Qaeda branch who's raising his sons to be jihadists. For two and a half years, Talal traveled back and forth from Berlin to northern Syria to film with Abu Osama's family. The film focuses on two of his sons, Osama and Ayman, who are 13 and 12 years old when we first meet them. We watch them get deeper into jihadist training. Talal presented himself to Abu Osama as a war photographer sympathetic to the jihadist cause. Although Talal isn't religious, over the years of making this film, he acted the role of an Islamist. I played like, uh, this is honestly like I had to be, I had to be nominated for best actors, not for best documentary actually. Two and a half year playing a role with no single mistake. A single mistake will cost me my life. I reached Talal by Skype in Los Angeles on the morning he was headed to the Oscar nominees luncheon. I started by asking him to go back to 2011, when Syria's protests were just beginning in the wake of hopeful movements in Tunisia and Egypt. After the Arab Spring and what happened in Egypt and Tunisia and, and Libya, and we thought that uh, it's, we are not alone. Everyone have 100% believing that the, the regime will, will toppling and we will uh, liberate it from, uh, from this government and we will start a new beginning which will bring everything good to our people. In Return to Homs, we, we watch your friends uh, turn from peaceful protesters into ar- armed uh, militants. Um, and... Uh, and and I wonder what your own experience 
was in feeling what your role was in that conflict? I mean, I I tried to capture the the story of the city through those two figures, and this is this is uh, was called the capital of the revolution, and it's one of the of the of the of the it's the first city who start the act against the uh, the government, the whole city, like not the whole, like let's say the the Sunni part, because the city is divided between Sunni and Alawi. Alawi is the sect of the of the gov of the of the regime, of the Assad family. But did you have a feeling yourself that your role was as a journalist? Yeah, it was. It was what it's need. The the the, uh, the movement. The the moment it's need a journalist because it's a matter of time. It's a matter of update day by day, and we were a group of more than twenty. Cameramans around the world. I was organized this group, and uh, and with, and this is one from a little group who survived not be uh, not be discovered by the secret service. So because we were anonymous and we were work very very carefully, we were shooting. I teach most of them how to use. Uh, how to use a camera, small HD camera, and how to create what what every reportage need inside it. Bless the story, bless the important uh, topic, or someone de- describe the size of the cut and uh, the quality of the material. I teach them everything they need, and uh, and me and uh, and Hibad, like my wife was. Working and 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 one editor also three of us we was working from the middle of Damascus, uh, prepare those reportages and uh, and we send it to to Lebanon uh, by SIM cards like every week twice. So we was sending the the footage full quality to to Thomson Reuters to CNN to the other channels in Lebanon in Beirut. This is what 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 is need because the government, the regime, didn't allow to any channels or broadcast or any media to to cover what's going on the ground. So you were using this footage both as kind of weekly news reports um, and uh, and then created this this larger documentary out of Being similar material. Suckers, the the uprise of the of the Free Syrian Army. Uh, demonstrating uh, sec- uh, secret hospitals, everything happened. Every beautiful story or something like new, we was uh, doing a reportage out of it. And this is how I met Bassett, and I was doing a reportage, and I understand that this is this is not fit in reportage. This is can be a film. That guy is promising, and he gonna do a lot of action. A disconnection to the ground. So through his story, I can discover more the city and the movement and the history of the country. So uh, that film, Return to Homs, is now five years old. Um, can you uh, update us on what happened to the the characters, Basset and and Osama? Osama Osama get arrested in August two thousand twelve. And uh, he had his heart when they arrested him. He he was in Lebanon, coming back to Syria. He had his hard disk and other uh, 
like satellite uh, phone uh, SIM cards. So they arrest, arrested him in the border and, uh, and after a while they killed him uh, under torture in the prison. Osama, uh, this is Osama Bassett, like he managed to get out from the siege after he lost all his group in the siege. So everybody returned with him, get killed there, except of him and other two. So, so when uh, when uh, when the United Nations managed to to find a deal between uh, between uh, the rebels and the uh, and the, the army, so they moved to the north uh, of Homs, and from the north of Homs, he had a problem with the uh, Al Nusra. Because they said they they, they believe that he's sympathizer with the ISIS, and he support them. So there was a lot of uh, uh, like a lot of question mark about what happened to him after his group get killed, because people said he get mad, he get crazy, he become jihadist, and uh, and this is the way that he can. Uh, uh, like uh, recover his uh, himself as a human, so so this also this movement this uh, changing of uh, his mind, what's happened to him? It's also make me think more about uh, about jihad and how they brainwash society and. Uh, and, uh, and and how what's happened, how the appearance of ISIS and al-Nusra and, and people start to get more motivated with them. So, so they left, uh, returned to Homs, left a lot of question mark for me in order to make uh, of fathers and sons. And, uh, and he now in the north, Basit Sarut, he's in the north of Syria in Idlib in the same place. Uh, I don't know what he's doing exactly. Like, if he has, a, if he's still a fighter, or he just uh, demonstrated, or he have a normal life. Uh, but he's in the north of Syria, in that in that location where I filmed the fathers and sons. So I want to get to that in a uh, in a second. But first, let me ask you: um, after return to Homs, uh, you left Syria, went into exile in Berlin. Um, can can you talk about you know that uh, move for you? Yeah, I mean I moved to Syria a little bit early. I moved Damascus like my home. I moved to to Cairo. We start pre-selecting footage. Then I went to to Lebanon until like uh, like I I I can get my visa. And from Lebanon, I also crossed smuggled the mountains between Lebanon and Syria. To Homs, and I filmed the last block with 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 Bassett and his friends before he returned to the siege of the city, and uh, and that after that I get a visa uh, and I went to Berlin in the summer beginning of summer 2013, and I edited the film and uh, did the post production in Berlin. So after that, uh, I had a premiere in Itfa, then in Sundance. Uh, in between Itfa and Sundance, I went again to Syria to do my research. Then after Sundance, I went back again to the north of Syria to do my research. In April 2014, 
we find the family and we shoot the first scenes in the film. So it was it was that quickly that uh, that you were um, already at work on a fathers and sons. Yeah, yeah, I could I couldn't stay in Berlin. Uh, for me, it was like a kind of uh, torturing myself, self torturing, like to to stay away from everything and to bond the people that I work with and to just to have a a life in exile or as refugees or whatever people want to name it. Well, let me ask you more about that decision because uh, in Berlin you had a wife and a young son and going back into uh, Syria uh, was a tremendously risky thing to do. It is a risky thing to do, yes. yeah. But for, for a person who was in the front line most of the time crossing the, crossing the checkpoint with the footage and the camera and hidden camera, for, uh, for comparing like with the dangerous, it was more like stay in a countryside and uh, try to understand those jihadists. And I discovered because I did some research before, as I told you, and I get the knowledge that they don't accept you if you are different than them. I start filming with the one character before Abu Osama. He was a big leader in one jihadist group, not Al-Qaeda, some other, it's called Ahrar Sham. And, uh, and after a while, he was, he was mad on me because I don't pray. And, uh, and uh, he was speaking really in a bad way with me. And then he disappeared. I was follow asking for him and he, they always gave me a wrong information about where he is. I, so th- this, this, was a, this was a different character than you wound up filming with. This was a kind of false start. It was a learning experience for you about uh, how to navigate this. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that guy, like he and his leaders get killed by ISIS. They send a bomb uh, car to his, to his center and they killed him. So he himself also get killed by jihadists. So, and, and that, and, and then I understand exactly that if I really want to make a film with a, with a jihadist group and, uh, and without a red line, I can be much close to their faces, to their character, to their daily life without any pure, without any, anyone tell me what to do. I have, I have to be one from this society psycho mentally at least so um can you describe to me how you met abu osama the the main character in a fathers and sons and um and how you presented yourself to him in the fathers of fathers and sons i met uh, we one one of my cameraman fa- found the the kids in one sharia camp it was Osama and his cousin Abdullah and his cousin Muhammad and uh, Ayman wasn't in that group, in that uh, camp. So he sent me a footage. I was in, I was in Germany and he sent me the footage and, uh, and uh, for me it was really, really promising. Like the kids was uh, the way, the training, the, their background, there was really belonged to a radical family 
and the camp was belonged to Al Qaeda, Al Nusra Front, like Al Qaeda, and uh, and there were several people from different nationalities in that camp, and uh, I thought that uh, we should do this, since one person also I know uh, from my previous film Return to Homes become a big leadership in Al Qaeda. So, so I used this guy to contact the father because also they know each other before. It's from the prison time. So, because both of them, they were in the Assad prison. Uh, Abu Osama was in a prison until the beginning, uh, after six months of the revolution, the beginning of the revolution. The, the regime released him and other thousands of the of the radical jihadists in September 2011. And that guy was there and Abu Osama was there. So they, they meet again in the north and he was my guide to, to Abu Osama to convince him to do this film. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about those relationships. I mean, it sounds like after Return to Homs, you you had a number of former colleagues who um, got uh, deeper into the the jihadist movement, and um, and I'm interested in your actually a colleague. They are they are the topic. Like they are people who are, I used to film with. I see uh, the people who are people who are in your film, and they are fighters already. So, and. What was, I mean, as they got deeper into that mindset, um, what was their attitude uh, towards you? Because it... it they don't know the... too much information, personal information about me. Everything we connected about was about filming, about uh, battles, about uh, information about what's going. It's all about Syria, the general topic. It's not about uh, who, who I am, what is my background, how I'm thinking, because they are clear from the beginning. They are Salafist movement and they were praying, they, the way they're talking, and it's belonged to the a, to the old part of the history of Muslim. And, uh, and uh, for that, I, I, I become close as a person to show my background, and I was immediately start praying with them and uh, listening to their uh, hadith and conversation and uh, participate in a small part of the, of it so so they they get used me there and uh, they were welcome and the cameraman actually who found, who found the kid was more connected to this society than me and he brought me there um you wound up filming there over the course of two and a half years. Um, can you describe uh, how much you were going back and forth uh, b between? Many times, yeah, many times. Tom. Like, uh, I can tell you I was there during this period with the camera, me and the cameraman, we were there standby and filming around 330 days during and two and a half years with the family, yes. The the cameraman uh, that you were using uh, was that someone who's based in Syria or someone who is also traveling? Is in in, in Turkey. I see. Turkey. Yeah. And we uh, were both in Syria, but uh, I moved to Germany. He moved to Turkey. Was was it dangerous to be going in and out of the country? In and out, it was. It was like 
not that dangerous because the border in the first year it was open like anyone can cross the border then uh, when like when the refugees issue start and all of those uh, they close the border and i get a permission from the from the turkish tv station to to cross the border with my equipment me and the cameraman so so that was like uh, we was crossing uh, legally because there is a gate there's two gates with turkey uh, with that area uh, can i ask you what it was like to go back to berlin um and uh, you, you know get back into your own frame of mind and then have to return to syria and uh and be in a milieu of a very different way of thinking i mean it's uh, in the film in the film from the beginning i named this uh, experience and the vision as a nightmare for me it was really a nightmare it wasn't something that i'm uh, really have a passion to it or something i believe it's good or or there is a positive uh, a positive act or uh, or movement or anything that can make me feel good it was for me like capturing my nightmare with a camera so so i was against everything happening and i didn't want this is the difference between this and my previous film because i didn't want to get harmed or get killed while i'm doing this i was really very careful about every single movement i do it and uh, and the area for me it was an enemy area it wasn't a friendly area because if they know just a little about my background as an artist or as a secular or as, as a person who are as a Kurdish, for example, they will they will cut my head. So like what's happened to the bird in the beginning. Mm. Um, so it was like uh, it was something I didn't. Uh, I had I it's a it's a play I had to do to make this film the more the most dangerous I gonna have it's from the character from the people I filmed I make a film about them so themselves is the most dangerous for me so when you when you talk about that risk um I mean couldn't someone have Googled your name and uh, and gotten b- basic facts about you being Kurdish? If you know nothing like as a Kurdish, nothing was uh, declared. Like when I did return to Homs, I didn't want to to declare this background. So everything was online about return to Homs awards. And when I get to festivals, I tried many times to not be in photos with the drink while I'm drinking alcohol or being with the girls or uh, being in a party. So that was, everything was clear. There was, that I had some old photos in Facebook, I delete them. And, uh, and also another like uh, some social media stuff, 
things. Then I met also some, uh, I met some radio interviews. I spoke very positive about jihadist people in north of Syria. And I made also a video interview with the opposition uh, channel. And also I spoke positive about them, that they have the right to take the authority. And, uh, and that interview made my friend and my people mad on me. They thought that I get crazy. So, so like, in, and, and, and the, Abu Osama and his friend, they listened to this interview and they like it a lot. And uh, so I tried like, so you were really d d deliberately creating uh, an an online profile for yourself that would be passable in uh, uh, in this group. Exactly, a profile. It's not look very worse. Like I didn't publish anything connected to a religion, uh, but in the same time, I didn't publish the opposite. I take care like where I I never put a like for a photo for a girl or something or. Or whatever is it like uh, people I know. So I was taking care of this, like I was frozen everything almost. And being there, tell them that I didn't get the, my education right and I'm here for learning more. And I, I played like, uh, this is honestly like I had to be... I had to be nominated for best actors, not for best documentary, actually. <laughs> Two and a half year playing a role with no single mistake. A single mistake will cost me my life. So there is no a, a beautiful director to tell to tell cut and let's let's do the the take again or you know like usual actors when they made a mistake they. They repeat, repeat until they find they make a best, uh, a best tech. Yeah, right, so, right. That's true. So I, I was in position. I have to continue playing this role even when I go to Berlin, and when I go to Berlin, mostly the first thing, like kind of therapy, I go to party, or go to the nature, camping, uh, music, uh, several things, like uh, in a way, just to to find to find my balance um i want to ask you about your uh relationship with uh abu osama um was it uh one where you uh felt disconnected from everything he said or were there things about him that you uh came to like as a human being I mean, I didn't disconnect it. I was connected to what he said, but I, I didn't have any one, any single feeling that, uh, that uh, I agree with him. So I'm trying just to understand him as a human, that understand his motivation so I can present part of it to, to the camera, to bring his faith, because he have a big faith for what he believed. And this faith to his ideology, it's more strong than his love to his kids. So, so I, I really want to, to bring his, uh, like the best of him to the audience in a way they can understand really who are those people outside of the cliche and, the, and standard way of looking to a jihad so so to bring to bring a, 
a society from inside in education in the closing room, not in a front line and in a fight. So, so that for me was uh, was a target to bring it really in a way. You see the film and you understand what happened to Osama because it's about he, the brainwash of his little brain, how it's happened, his lovely father, the father that the icony for him, the ideal father who who want him to be the junior Osama bin Laden and how he was connected to his father, how he saw his father as a as an hero. So all of this, it was about the story should be from Osama, Osama's point of view. So it took you two and a half years of filming. When you began the project, did you imagine it was going to be that long a period? Um, I expect to be, but the problem that uh, the time there, it's really very slow and very heavy, like one week there, it's like a month outside. So I was really ambitious many times and, uh, and in, uh, comparing with the, all, with, the, with the previous film where everything happened quickly, all the city is running quickly to, to, to the catastrophe. And, but here it was like nothing happened. I am somewhere in the countryside in an in a area controlled by jihadist and by Salafist movement and uh, things, and they, they, they do things very slowly. They are not in a hurry. They need this time because the time is the only way to convince people about jihad and to make them part from it. So, and the kids, still kids, they didn't grow up quickly and uh, things like really was uh, broken my nervous and uh, I was really many times totally psychologically destroyed. And especially when like a week or 10 days run and I didn't film anything because nothing happened, in fact, to film. So, and uh, so like uh, the patient, I test my patient in the most difficult situation and, uh, and it's work. Actually, when I look at the film now and you look, there is a Stockholm almost complete story in the end of the day. And uh, and all this like achievement of award and interesting and uh, uh, and the reaction of the audience all around the world. It's telling me that uh, I success like it. Uh, yeah, I, I managed to, to bring uh, the soul of, uh, of the Salafist society out of it. So, yeah, I, we, I was all the time, every time I was returning to Germany, I was telling the group that this is the last time. I cannot go anymore and I, could, I, I don't have a... I don't have a power at all. I'm super exhausted. I'm uh, I'm dead man walking, so I couldn't do this uh, this anymore. And let's look at the footage and think how to make film out of it. So after that, like after uh, two weeks exactly, I returned to to myself and uh, I said, 
I should go back and continue the story. I want to because I don't accept as a filmmaker. It I was always the problem of myself. So uh, I always said I look to the what we get and I said no. I want more. And, but but and each time you're going back, you were recruiting your your cameraman who's living in Turkey to go back with you. Yes. Uh, yes. Did did he have the same? struggles that that you went through uh, he he was fine like the, the to do this kind of film he he didn't ha- he didn't like that there are nothing happened actually he didn't like the choice of what we film he needs something more on the front line and that was for me like a problem so many times he was just leaving me in the village and he go with the other group of fighter where there where there is in the front line where there is a, a war between Assad and uh, and the rebels and uh, and he do filming there because he want he like to be in the front line he don't like to be in a village with with this family <laughs> so so yeah so i had to it wasn't dangerous enough for him uh, it wasn't dangerous enough for him uh, and I was all the time to calm him, to tell him that uh, those footage you film, nobody need it except a few for yourself. No, no one, uh, we don't have any place to use them. You risk your life. You have five kids, etc. all of this thing. And uh, yeah, so, so we, we did, we, we tried to focus about this family and, uh, but like when Abu Osama is going out also, he, he brought some dangerous, like, because he, he's mostly in the front lines doing stuff. But the, my, the direction of this film was really away from violence. I didn't want to bro, to bore the war in the classic way that people get, use it. So when 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 I went with him, when we went with Abu Sama to the front line, when he looked to the to the mines and to the seclusive stuff and do some work, I tried to bring the location as a, as as a uh, you know as a as a play as a theater, like uh, you 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 know Lars von Trier, how he like the the back the Dogville, for example. You remember this film? Sure. Yes. So, so it's like it's it's like a bless, and nowhere people are really like they are playing a, a, a theater, and uh, they are doing a play, and uh, and and nobody run, nobody push. There is no action. There is no violence, direct violence in front of camera. Everything happened very slow, so you can you can hear the breath. You can hear their voice coming from somewhere very deep. And want to charge the Syrian civil war in this film, so they are nothing connected about what's happening on the ground and where we are. It's just a person speaking from inside, even when he's in the front line behind his sniper. You know, for an outsider, um, it can be. Uh, very hard to understand the different uh, factions. And I want to ask you for Abu Osama and his colleagues that we see in the film, what, what is their relationship to ISIS? They, they look at them as they are brothers. 
but they lost the direction. And in what way do they think ISIS lost direction? Because he know most of the leaders, and for, for Abu Osama, those are teenagers in jihad, in, uh, in understanding the war. They are beginners, and they're going to destroy the whole concept of jihad. So does he see them as uh, being too excessive in ways, or...? He don't like them, and this also was a problem with his society because he, his village are sympathizer with ISIS, not with Al Nusra. Uh, for them, Al Nusra is like uh, uh, tender, like they are people who are really only take care care about gold. They they are not uh, not fast enough. So and and people had uh, because ISIS build a huge land, uh, a huge uh, power, and they own huge lands. And, and for them, for a lot of people, they were in love with ISIS secretly because it was forbidden in that area. Both of them, like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, they, they both share the idea of caliphate. But at the end of the day, it should be one caliphate, not two caliphates. So... So everyone look at the, they are in com competitive with each other. So, so they they are same group actually, same people. They just divided at some point. Mm -hmm. um, since the film uh, came out, um, have you gotten any uh, reactions from Abu Osama or or other people in his community? I get I get reaction from his brothers. Like at some point, they they send me like uh, some tweet uh, about uh, that I am barred from conspiracy against their nation, and uh, and I am a slave to the Western, and that uh, they're gonna meet me soon, and I have to wait them. So, uh, so like this single like uh, man, uh, this uh, cliche kind of threaten uh, I mean do you feel like those threats are uh, worth taking seriously there are some people I'm really afraid of them like the man who get me an access to the family he's a strong man and he's a, a really bad guy and uh, and uh, he, I think he's looking all the time to a way to, to find me or to, to take, uh, to, to, to harm me. So do something too bad to me. So I believe that guy is, uh, I don't know, maybe he's in Turkey already. But I don't, like, I don't want to do any action against him. Like, I don't know why, but uh, just in this that person who usually come to my nightmares actually more than others and also like some of the brothers but uh, they are not that power as that guy did, did you see like a uh, uh, city of ghost yes yeah so a lot, of, a lot of people from that group they get killed in turkey by the hand of isis so i should be careful in which country i have to travel actually there are many countries in my blacklist. I should not go there, whatever is happening. So are your days of going back to Syria um, ended for a, 
a long time. It's only if I if I want to, the moment I want to do a side in a bad way, I go to Syria. <laughs> in an ugly um, way, ugly death. If I if it's happened once that I want to have an ugly death, then I go there. Um, so t- today I'm talking to you. I think you're on your way to uh, the Oscars uh, nominee brunch, and uh, there must be a, a feeling of disconnect between um, the the. the the experiences you've had making this film and uh, being in Los Angeles uh, uh, amongst uh, Hollywood. No, it's, it's fine. Stars. I mean, this is this is the life I like to to do. Actually, you you prefer this to hanging out with jihadists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? No, but this is this is the cinema. I studied cinema in Greece. I I bre- I mean, I since I opened my eyes, I was watching. Uh, American films, 90 minutes, it was the standard time for me since I was young to hear a story or to tell a story. And uh, and this is my future. This is the only thing I can, this is my professional, like to make a film. And the people, I'm going to meet the people later who make films exactly like me. What happened, like the circumstances of making this style of film, it's what the destiny, what my background life brought me to, what's happened to my country. I never thought, never in my life, that I will do a documentaries and I will, uh, I will do it about my country, which destroyed in front, gonna dis- be, died in front of my camera. So. So this is from the surprise, and this is the surprise of making those films. It's not to be in a, in a, for me to be in the Oscar or to be in a Cannes or Sundance. This is a dream. This is not surprise. So. I want to thank Talal Turkey for speaking with me. His two films. Return to Homs and Of Fathers and Sons are both available on iTunes and other digital platforms. Of Fathers and Sons is one of five films nominated for the Oscars Best Documentary Feature category. Thanks to our team, series producer Hannah Nordenswan and web designer Cross Strategy. Our theme music is composed by Andre Williams and our executive producer is Rafaela Nehausen. I'm Tom Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at THOM Powers. Pure Nonfiction is distributed by the TIFF Podcast Network. You can read our show notes, learn about live events, and sign up for our newsletter at purenonfiction.net. <laughs>